Welcome to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. My name is Janice Scholl. I'm a regular parent on a mission to uncover the best tips and advice for raising middle school girls through these challenging years. Each episode, I talk with an expert on a topic designed to help us support our kids and raise strong, confident, and resilient girls. Are you looking for a way to help your middle schooler express the complex emotions she's feeling lately? Between the stress of higher academic demands, friendship challenges, and a new, more independent identity starting to emerge, our kids have a lot going on, and often they don't know what exactly they're feeling or how to communicate it. We may not be able to take away the hardships of this age, but we can support our kids to understand and address what they're experiencing. One of the surprising tools I've learned our kids can use to express themselves is songwriting. By helping our kids combine music and language to express themselves, the outcome is so much more than art. Hi, everyone. Today, I am speaking with TEDx speaker, singer-songwriter, musician, youth empowerment coach, and author, Emma G. Welcome, Emma. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here and see your face. Well, it's wonderful to see your face as well and to hear your voice. And we're going to talk about your voice and the voices of teens today um, because you are a youth empowerment coach who uses the power of songwriting to help our young people express themselves differently than the traditional realm of communication, aren't you? I am. And yeah, I think that's one of the biggest the biggest things um, that kind of confuses people, but also makes people ponder because it is not a very traditional uh, route that I've chosen to take. And I think part of that is to do with the fact that I have been a youth worker for a long time, a teacher for even even longer, but a, a majority of my background was rooted in uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand classroom and New Zealand teaching um, principles and techniques. So uh, it just kind of made sense for me to kind of bring a, my different approach to the States when uh, when the pandemic hit and, you know, our worlds were rocked upside down. And I thought to myself, well, you know, there's so many resources out here for young children and for adults, but often we forget or we, we don't know necessarily how to effectively support our teenagers. Um, and one of my mentors described me as the teenage whisperer a few years ago. So I thought, well, it's now or never, you know, and now more than ever, we need to be uh, speaking life and, and helping our, uh, you know, middle school and high school students to recognize their power, recognize their voices and figure out ways to amplify their mental health. Yeah. And, you know, I like so much of what you do because you really are focused on the mental, emotional, and social well-being of our young people. Can you talk to me a little bit about how songwriting specifically is able to help do that? Sure. So I'm sure you're aware that there have been countless studies throughout the world um, on the positive benefits of music on the brain, Um, which is great. And, you know, it's it's very healthy to listen to songs when you're feeling down, happy, whatever. Um, however, when we combine 
musicality with the art of songwriting. You're now stimulating the brain in a way, in multiple ways. Um, that A, mean that you are stimulating the left-hand side of the brain and the right-hand side of the brain, which then stimulates a part of our brain that actually promotes uh, brain development and brain growth in areas of the brain that have been somewhat lacking, um, you know, historically, which has been predominantly, you know, specifically beneficial for myself because I have a neurological, neurological condition with hydrocephalus, but we'll talk about that later. However, um, when focusing on songwriting specifically, there's a number of there's a number of things and obviously we're learning about the brain all the time but the benefits for young people specifically are that it increases our oxytocin levels which is our um our bonding hormone it simulates our dopamine hormones which are you know the hormones that um stimulate our positivity it lowers our cortisol or our stress hormones um because music and songwriting together also um, incorporate language and, and English skills, we're now able to, with the decreased stress, the increased happiness, the increased dopamine, now we are able to give teenagers the space and clarity to find the right verbiage to Ex, you know, express themselves effectively and, and safely. Um, we're able to give them an outlet that, um, you know, literally helps them to write the theme songs for their own lives. So now they're no longer having to walk around listening to, you know, singing Cardi B lyrics. Not that I'm shading uh, Cardi B at all, but her morals may be a little bit different to most parents that I know of. Um, you know, so we're able to sort of help young people to step into their truth, to find the languaging, um, to express themselves, to communicate effectively, which then not only cross-translates into writing their own theme songs, but now that they understand themselves more effectively, they're able to connect and converse with parents. Now, that is particularly important because it is 2022. Our young people, Generation Z, have, I'm sure you've seen this with your own kids, significantly decreased their abilities in being able to have a face-to-face -face conversation. We have developed, you know, social media, the age of technology. It's wonderful in many ways. However, very rarely will you see a young person actually talking on the phone, let alone face-to-face. It's, it feels intrusive for a lot of young people to have those face-to-face -face communications. So by utilizing songwriting, now we have sort of given them a safety blanket, aka music, to find those words that are appropriate in um, expressing themselves. And now that they know the languaging, they can have those conversations with parents, with teachers, with their community at large. And that's really powerful. And then of course, there's all the other health benefits of now they, you know, by utilizing songwriting as a form of understanding themselves. Um, I use a KISS methodology, which is the Keep It Simple Superstar um, approach to learning where we are eliminating, or not eliminating, but um, simplifying overwhelm in, in the brains of teenagers. So now when it comes to having conversations, they're not, you know, diverging in every which way possible to try and 
communicate one specific thought, um, but they're now able to focus on, okay, this is my key issue that I'm having to deal with. How can we solve this together? So that we've, we've eliminated stress, we've, we're, we're sort of reducing, uh, reducing stress, sorry, we're eliminating the overwhelm when it comes to conversing. We're helping young people to find the words that are effective for them. We're doing it in a way that is safe and encouraging and helps them to recognize the power of their words and the power of their authenticity and so it's like this this massive like snowball effect of positivity in a way that is very non-traditional especially in a country like america yeah and i want to ask you about that because you are a new zealander and you you highlighted that it's especially in the us um different than our traditional realm but talk to me about the difference that you experienced coming to the us and seeing our kind of culture way of doing things with our teens sure so i should like preface all of this that i am an american citizen my mother is from pennsylvania so due to that i've always been kind of raised between you know the the american through through the american lens as well as through the new zealand lens and of course through the fijian lens because that was where, where my father was from um however moving here i think I, I wasn't quite prepared for the uh cultural differences that i kind of dove headfirst into because my first you know, six months here, I was working as a hiking instructor at a girls camp in Massachusetts, and then as an outdoor science education teacher in Connecticut, very different um, to, you know, living in Washington, DC. However, to answer your question, most, I mean, there are there are multiple differences between the cultures, I think the most um, in your face differences have been from me personally uh the huge uh differences in economic and um socioeconomic communities across the country my family's in iowa pennsylvania los angeles and i live in dc very different cultures very different socioeconomic cultures very different religious cultures very different you know just it, it's it's very different no matter where you go. Culturally, it's very different to New Zealand. How that translates into the classroom, however, I am amazed at how differently education is delivered depending on where in the country you are. That was the most overwhelming starting point for me. I had no idea that the syllabus would change so dramatically between state to state. In, like To add on to that, in New Zealand, we have three official languages, English, Amer uh, New Zealand Sign Language, and Maori, which is our Indigenous language for our Indigenous people. To that extent, a lot of our teaching is taught through tikanga Māori, which is the Indigenous way of teaching. And there are several um, key things that I learned as a teacher through the lens of tikanga Māori. And that the, the main differences for me have been around student-centred learning, recognising that teachers and students both have things to learn from each other and both have things to teach one another. So those have been like the, the two main things that I think I've taken from my teaching qualifications and sort of um, started delivering through 
how I, how I coach here in the States. There are other obvious differences like um, recognizing that every student comes to the classroom with their own understandings of the world, their own learnings, their own parental backgrounds, their own cultural backgrounds. And we need to recognize those differences, not only because that gives the student an ability to feel safe in the teaching environment, but more importantly, it gives them a foundation to grow from. So when we, you know, when we look at second chance learners, for example, who've been through, you know, the legal system, you know, they have brains, they know how to speak and whatnot, but giving them an essay may not be the most effective form of education for them. However, when you ask a student who is of, you know, a particular lineage or a particular culture to write their research into a song or into a rap, all of a sudden they are able to reach back into their culture, their heritage, where they come from and go, oh, music, that is the language of my people. Let me produce, uh, you know, produce my research paper in that style. And suddenly, you know, their vocabulary skyrockets. They're, you know, you can see that they understand the depth of, of their knowledge because they now know how to translate that in a language that they understand because that comes from their culture. Does that make sense? So it's like there are so many nuances to utilizing culture, utilizing a person's background, utilizing a person's sense of self in the classroom and songwriting is one of the most amazing ways to encompass that in in something that is wholesome and um, supportive. Yeah, I mean, what an interesting insight into first our culture and second into how that translates into using songwriting into the classroom. Um, because really what you're saying is because of the vast diversity in the U.S., it's it's really difficult for teachers to understand the path that their students have walked because everyone comes from a different place and from a yes. different understanding. And so by giving students the ability to to define themselves themselves creatively through songwriting, it really opens up the opportunity for both the student and teacher to get to know each other on a different level, as well as bring out that person, that teen identity uh, that they may struggle to, to show in a traditional conversation or context, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's even more beautiful about that is that once they, once teacher and student understands each other more effectively, you know, through that process, now we can start to learn about trigonometry in a way that kind of identifies back to a child's background you know now we can start to look at you know people like shakespeare the original gangster of language you know or charles dickens who was pretty much the, the you know the, the creator of soap operas because every single chapter would leave you on that cliffhanger like oh my goodness what's going to happen next and you know we can relate that back to okay so how does that relate to somebody who was brought up in japan or somebody who was brought up as you know an immigrant in this country or somebody who was black american or asian american or hispanic you know like there's so many ways that we can draw on this 
if we take the time to recognize those differences and those similarities. And again, music and songwriting is this beautiful, I call it my superhero mask because it's still me, but it's it's a way of like showing myself in a way that doesn't feel intrusive or or overwhelming. Yeah, it's super interesting. You know, I'm, I'm a strong proponent that all of us, but especially our teens need kind of a creative outlet to just get out all of those intensities, those intense feelings that they have. But I didn't realize there's just so much more to the songwriting piece. It's not just getting it out on paper. It's, it's really connecting the dots mm-hmm. to help these teens feel whole in a way that they can kind of move forward with their best selves in education. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm, I'm literally, we're just talking about the emotional and, and mental health aspects right now, but you know, on a neurological uh, through, through, the, through the neurological lens as well, there's copious amounts of, of um, benefits, including like memory stimulation and helping people to re cognitively rewrite traumatic events, um, help them to remember facts from, you know, their own learnings and think like, this is why we sing the alphabet or, you know, the States of America. Why do you think we sing that? Because memory stimulates, sorry, music stimulates our memories. So if we can, you know, write our own songs relating to subjects in school, it, you know, it's no, it no longer becomes about information regurgitation and now it comes about absorbing that information, you know, being able to use that information in a way that is productive and actually serves them long term throughout their adult lives. So now I'm wondering, how, how exactly does it work? Because you can't just sit down with a teen and say, write me a song. So, <laughs> you know, especially somebody... Maybe they don't feel like they're musically inclined. Maybe they, you know, they haven't had exposure to this sort of work before. So, so talk to me about the process and how you go about this. That's a great question. So there's multiple ways, just like there's multiple ways of teaching. Um, there's, there's multiple approaches to songwriting. The very first um, lesson or sessions that I tend to do with my clients, however, is uh, something I affectionately call word vomit which is not something that people, like a lot of people are like, oh, that's gross. You know what? It makes teenagers laugh, so I'm sticking to it. So <laughs> um, the word vomit is one of the most effective ways to help young people at the very, like from the very beginning, start to eradicate overwhelm from their heads. So when they first meet me, um, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll uh, put some music on. Now that might be Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, um, or it could be whole tones. I often lean towards whole tones, which is a specific type of music at a specific frequency. Um, And different frequencies simulate parts of our emotional self, whether it's creativity, energy, so on and so forth. But with with whole tones, you, you know, you put a piece of music on for three to five minutes and you ask students to write for three to five minutes while the piece of music is playing. Here is the key. Just like, you know, in Māori teaching practices, it's not just the teenager who does the writing. You as a teacher or parent should also write because this is about an experiential learning process where 
teacher and student come to the table together uh, and lead by example for one another. So as you're writing those three to five minutes, it's literally, you can write whatever you want. You can write, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, repeatedly for five minutes, or you can write everything about your dog at home, to what you're having for dinner, to the breakup that your friend had, to what you saw on your favorite TV show last night. It doesn't matter, as long as you write. Once that process happens, you then start to look, you, you take, take the time to analyze what each person has written and start to notice key themes. From those key themes, you bunch, bunch them together, group them together, and then start to build out a song using those key themes, key phrases, key hotspot words, and start to build out verses, choruses. Now, most young people, I think, are familiar with you know song structure and whatnot. However, I like to kind of describe a song structure in, in depending on who the young person is. A lot of my clients tend to like also do self-defense or are in sports teams or whatever. So I often compare the songwriting structure to the introduction, uh, the, the first verse being like the introduction to an essay, right? And then the chorus is like, okay, and this is what I'm actually telling you. Then the second verse is, okay, and I want to tell you my second point in this essay, but realistically, back to the chorus, this is the bottom line of what I'm saying here. And then the third verse or the bridge or, or uh, middle eight is what some people call it, is kind of like the punch to the feelings. If you're a self-defense instructor, that might be, you know, the, the knockout punch. What are you really trying to tell your mom, your dad, your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, your teacher, your little brother? What, what are you really trying to say? And then, you know, uh, you edit that song. And the editing process is a, is a peculiar one because it's not just about making sure you're using the right words. It's about figuring out who are you actually talking to? Is this song a letter to your anxiety? Is this song a letter to your mum? Is this song a letter to yourself? Is this song a letter from your 80-year-old self to your present-day self? You know, and then allowing them that this is where the alchemy begins, where you start to like step back and go, okay, so I was feeling this type of way when I came to the classroom. And now I'm able to literally rewrite the approach that I want to take on how I would coach myself or how I would talk to my best friend. And now they have it on paper this beautiful piece of writing that they can now not only read to themselves, but sing to themselves when they're in the time of need. So now they're able to not sing Hilary Duff lyrics or Britney Spears or Nicki Minaj or Eminem or Drake lyrics when they're feeling down in the dumps. Now they've got this song that they've written themselves to remind themselves, oh, I'm powerful. My voice matters. This is my story, but I'm not going to stay here. It's been an incredible, incredible journey to see some of some of the growth from some of my clients. It's been beautiful. And I'd love to know, like, what are what are some of the words that your teens are using to describe this process or what they've what they've gained from it? Specific lyrics. Um, I've I had one client. Gosh, she was in Nebraska, I think, where she 
was super overwhelmed when she first came to me. Um, she, she called herself like the leader of the, the misfits because all of her friends were the trouble kids and therefore she was lumped in with them, but she didn't feel like she quite belonged yet. She didn't want to give up on them, so on and so forth. So a lot of the work we did together was about her finding a way to step into her power as a leader, not as a leader of trouble. Does it make sense? And so now she's able to, you know, identify herself as somebody who can be an agent of change to instill power in other people while still retaining her own full cup, while still remaining, you know, whole and happy on her own two feet. I had another client who came to me when she was, this was at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, we started with writing one song that turned into an album of songs. She was writing songs to her anxiety. She wrote a song for her dog. She wrote a song for her mom and dad. Um, she, a lot of her songs though were to herself, trying to help her um, make sense of the overwhelm, make sense of having a 17th birthday while in quarantine, making sense of the loneliness um, that the pandemic sort of brought around for her. And, you know, now she, she, we released two of the singles as singles, we released the album. Um, she now studies at the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts underneath Paul McCartney. And she can look back on these songs thinking, okay, whenever I'm still feeling this way from time to time, I now have the language to like pick myself back up again, remind myself that I'm strong, remind myself that I'm worthy. I have been working for the last few uh, weeks with somebody who is late teens, but is um, about to embark on going from male to female. And so a lot of her, you know, um, struggle has been around identity, trying to explain herself to her family, um, trying to make sense of what it means to be going from male to female and how that fits in. And so, you know, with, with her, it's literally about literally helping her find her voice, literally helping her be okay with loving herself in the journey, not just looking forward to one day when I am. And, you know, and that just the, the, the mental shift, the cognitive shift, the, the sense of, of self-love and self-belief that I have witnessed in her, it's been powerful. We're talking about teens and in, in tweens, and I am not an expert, right? I'm just a mom who's trying to do a good job and trying to learn about my kids. And it is, and, and it's been so interesting as I'm interviewing people, I, I'm realizing how much of a filter our young people are are putting up or, or kind of how much they're presenting to us adults, what they believe we want to see, if you will. And, you know, as you're talking about this process and, and helping uh, our young people kind of come to terms with or understand different things about themselves, you start with the word vomit piece, right? And getting it out. And it's not until later that you're working through, who is this for? 
what is your audience? You're really focused, focusing on identity and, and who the person is first mm-hmm. and then correlating that with the environment, right? And so it just seems that, you know, the way that you're doing it is such a way that it, it, it gives you that huge benefit where the kids can actually bring out more from, of themselves than they would be able to otherwise. If they were like, gee, I'm going to sit down and just write an essay to my parents about my anxiety. You know, yeah. that's not going to work. Uh, but what you're saying is is just such a different approach and in a, a more, it's a non-threatening way to go about something that could result in the same outcome. Thank you. And I, I, that's a really great way of putting it. I often think about it. So this goes back to my, my history teaching in New Zealand and getting my qualifications in New Zealand because in Maori culture, in Indigenous New Zealand culture, we have nothing if we don't recognise where we come from. And so, you like, we, we, and we honour this with trees, you know, we look at the big roots that these, these tall, strong trees have. If they had weak roots, those trees would not exist or grow nearly as high. So we need to um, give young people the tools to express and communicate those roots whether those roots are healthy or not they're still roots because once we can identify what those roots are then we can give them the necessary nutrients the necessary love the necessary compassion the necessary strength the necessary you know fighting tools or whatever it is that can help them to nurture those dark parts of themselves in a way that they can turn that into something powerful, turn that into a garden of of thriving, a garden of self-confidence, a garden of connection and rehabilitation and overcoming. You know, and so that 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 literally is why I start with word vomit as the first exercise that we do, because we need to know what we're working with before we can work on it. Otherwise, you know, we're just kind of hoping to write another Britney Spears song and that's fine, but we need to know who we are first. Now, you're clearly passionate about the work that you do. Yes. And that that just doesn't happen, you know, without a story behind it. And I know a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to be able to share with our audience. Um, you mentioned that you have a rare neurological condition. And if, could you talk to us a little bit about that and how um, songwriting has helped you through the challenging times that your condition has presented you? Of course. So I, I recognize that this, you know, your, your show is all about raising middle school girls. It's important that I kind of preface this story with acknowledging that my middle school years were basically where everything went belly up for me. So I was diagnosed with my condition, hydrocephalus, when I was four months old. That was when I had my very first brain surgery. Now, for those of you who don't know what hydrocephalus is, everybody's brains floats in the water, otherwise known as cerebral spinal fluid. That water enters into the brain and drains out again by between 200 and 400 milliliters every day. For me, however, I have a cyst the size of my fist in the middle of my cranium, which means that water can get into my head, but it has no way of exiting. 
So at the age of four months when I was diagnosed, a shunt or a really long tube was inserted into my head, draining down into my peritoneal cavity in my abdomen to drain out the water. Great, except that when you reach, like when, when you go through hormonal, big hormonal changes, like adolescence, blockages can occur in the shunt and that's when brain surgery or, um, you know, surgery on the abdomen will become necessary. Otherwise, again, pressure starts to build up. I get very bad headaches, start vomiting, fall unconscious and then die. It, it happens very quickly. And so, you know, it's always been kind of <laughs> a fun, fun thing having to live, you know, close to a hospital. So four months old, had the, you know, my first surgery had multiple surgeries up until the age of nine. At the age of nine, I was hospitalized for five and a half weeks and had five surgeries. During that time, I also was, uh, unfortunately, I, I developed a, an infection of staphylococcus in my brain, which meant that I had to have emergency brain surgery and I actually developed some brain damage, which I still suffer from to you know, a small extent these days. Songwriting and music helped me to redevelop parts of my brain in a way that means I now no longer get lost going from my bathroom to my bedroom and back. That's how bad it was. Driving around, I mean, obviously back in the late 90s, we didn't have GPS like we do these days. But, um, you know, driving around, I, I would have been lost everywhere. So everywhere I went. Learning lessons in school became really difficult. I went from being known as the human dictionary to Frankenstein. I was getting picked on by my friends and I was an, a, an early bloomer. So like I started puberty when I was seven years old. And so I was having to contend with hormonal changes in my body, in my brain, and then having to, you know, contend with brain surgery and, and brain damage. So on the social level, I was also having a really tough time. And then um, I don't know how TMI I can get here, um, but I endured so, uh, my, how do I put this? I endured a significant amount of abuse from an early age as well, um, specifically when I was 12. Uh, unfortunately, we do live in a world where uh, no matter where you are in the world, that happens to young girls specifically. And for me, now I was not only able to use music to help my brain regrow, but now I was having to find the languaging to deal with some really black dogs that were knocking on my doorstep every day, trying to figure out who I was, who, you know, how I fit into the world, the, the amount of guilt and, and shame that I carried on my shoulders for a long time. Uh, and then, you know, throughout my teenage years as well, you know, and so songwriting and music, again, gave me this opportunity to wear the superhero mask, to wear my security blanket, to express and communicate myself in ways that my parents now could hear my pain, hear my struggles, hear my stories. And because I was finding the words to express that healthily, we could start to embark on a journey of healing together.
that meant that I wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't actually going to commit suicide. I wasn't actually, you know, going to overdose on drugs or hurt myself, you know, in a way that would end my life because that is the reality for a lot of young people, unfortunately. I was really blessed to have as much support around my songwriting as I did, thank you, mum, so that when when she would hear the songs I was writing, she would know, okay, this is how I can help my daughter now. And that's how I learned the power of alchemy. That's how I learned to look at myself from, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now and think, okay, what would my 50-year-old self tell me? What would my 80-year-old self tell me? How can I, with my increased levels of oxytocin and dopamine and lower levels of cortisol, start to use my voice effectively and start to heal myself from myself. What an incredible story. And thank you for sharing with us because, you know, you're touching on difficult, difficult topics. And I, and our kids are facing these things. We, we try to shield them from so much, but the reality is um, challenging circumstances are affecting our kids every single day. And as you said, everywhere. And for there to be an option to help them bridge the gap with their parents, to be able to have the words that they need to communicate what's going on inside them uh, is so incredibly important. Yeah, and I I, I recognize that that's a really, like it's, it's difficult for me to talk about, so I apologize if it's difficult to hear for some parents. But unfortunately, and I'm, I'm sure you remember when you were, you know, a young person, pressure happens, you know, trauma happens. It doesn't matter how old you are. I pray that we live in a world, that we can, we can develop a world and grow into a world that that kind of abuse doesn't happen. Being able to empower young boys and girls to, you know, navigate the world healthily is my absolute prayer. But where we are right now, we need to stop kidding ourselves sometimes and actually deal with what's in front of us. And this has been one of the most therapeutic, uh, beneficial ways that I have found has worked for me and that my clients have found have has worked for them. Well, and I think, you know, we can pretend that they don't exist, but then we're not empowering our young people to know how to deal with things before they become a problem, before events happen. So, um, you know, I appreciate you talking about it because it's difficult for everyone sometimes, but um, the alternative is we're not teaching our kids. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, we are blessed to have the work that you do available for our young people. And can you tell us if people want to learn more about you, can you tell us where they can find you? Of course. So I am everywhere. If you look up Emma G Music, that will be me. My website is emmagmusic.com. My uh, social media is Emma G Music. And I actually just released my second book, uh, Reconnect With Your Teenager on Amazon. And that's just under Emma G. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Emma G. Thank you. I I appreciate all that you do. And I'm super pumped to, you know, see parents elevate their children and maybe 
maybe you'll be writing a song with your kid uh, next week as well. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more conversations with experts designed to help you support your middle school girl, please hit subscribe. You can also sign up for the newsletter at the link in the show notes to receive emails about tips and resources, upcoming events, and new podcast episodes, all designed to support you and your child.